Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. Cormac and Saoirse here now uh, obviously uh, alcoholism is a huge problem not only here but around the world uh, I think everyone knows someone who's been uh, probably badly negatively affected by it and there's v- various different treatment options available for it but did you know that they're using MDMA to start looking into its potential at treating uh, alcohol disorder and uh, joining us now on the line very excited to, to speak to this individual is someone who is conducting the world's first clinical trial looking into MDMA for alcohol use disorder and seeing what benefits we can derive from it uh, and joining us now to talk a little bit more about that research is Dr. Ben Sessa. Dr. Ben Sessa sir how are you? Hello hi pleased to meet you all thank you very much for having me along. No worries at all this sounds like uh, again not trying to be to be kind of facetious or stupid here, but it, it sounds, when you say using MDMA, which is obviously a, an illegal drug pretty much everywhere, to treat alcoholism, so, sounds like, it sounds It sounds counterproductive. Yeah. yeah, it sounds counterproductive and wrong, and it just seems a bit, a, a bit mad, but can you explain how and why this hmm. has come about and what might the potential benefits be? Okay, so first of all, when you talk about different risks or dangers of different drugs, there are few things worse for you in life than drinking three bottles of vodka a day. So any kind of treatment, whether drug-based or not, that gets you off daily alcoholism is almost certainly safer than what you're doing with daily alcoholism. So what we use is uh, a course of psychotherapy in which the patient takes MDMA twice, two doses of MDMA over the course of eight weeks with a lot of support um, and monitoring and follow-up and just lots of ongoing integration and they're screened patients in a medical setting. So when you compare that, two doses of MDMA with what you're trying to treat, three bottles of vodka a day for years, um, Mm. from a pharmacological point of view, there's just no comparison that the MDMA, hands down, is considerably safer. Now, how can MDMA solve the problem with alcoholism? That's a great question. So it's a very broad question. Really, we're using MDMA as an adjunct to psychotherapy. So this is essentially a course of psychotherapy or counselling, but on two occasions we add MDMA to that counselling, which makes the experience of the counselling deeper and more effective. What MDMA does is it allows the patient to talk about and explore and resolve difficult psychological issues that go back many years. Most cases of alcoholism or indeed other addictions 
are based on some kind of trauma, often trauma occurring in childhood. And one of the reasons it's so hard to treat these trauma-based disorders such as addictions is because patients just don't want to go there and do that psychological work because it's too overwhelming and painful. When we give them MDMA in a controlled clinical setting, they find they are able to do that psychotherapeutic work that they weren't able to do before. So um, that's really how we're using it as a tool to assist psychotherapy to overcome long-lasting trauma that's contributing to their drinking. When did this idea kind of come into clinical researchers' minds that there might be potential to start using psychedelic drugs like MDMA for this kind of work? So MDMA started arising within the medical community in the late 1970s and early 80s, and it was being used as this in this way as a tool to treat mental health conditions. Uh, this is before it was illegal. It was then, then leaked from the medical community in the early 80s, and the whole rage scene happened in the late 80s. The drug was banned, which halted all the research. Of course, did nothing to stop the recreational use of MDMA, yeah. uh, because ban- banning things doesn't make them go away. It just makes them more dangerous. But in the last 10 years or so, we started reopening this research again. And almost all of the research everywhere around the world with MDMA has been on post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. But I'm an addiction psychiatrist, and I know that my population of patients with addictions, I think of them all as PTSD plus addiction, because almost all of them have features of PTSD or trauma. So we thought, let's not just do another PTSD MDMA study, which everyone's Mm. doing. Let's do one on alcoholism, because alcoholism is a massive public health problem, huge personal, domestic, clinical and financial burden to the public health. So it's also a disorder that's very hard to treat. You know, the current outcomes for people with drinking, with the best the medical profession can throw at you, are extremely poor. So it was a good target to see if we could do this with MDMA. And anyone that you've trialled this on, what have you found? So we did, before we did this study with the MDMA, we did an observation study just looking at how well people do in Bristol post-detox after they've been detoxed from alcohol. We followed them up for nine months to see the rate at which they return to drinking. This is with all the very best current traditional treatments. And at Mm. nine months, 76% of them were back to their previous drinking levels. With our MDMA study, when we we took the same same kind of population, nine months after the MDMA, 12% of them were back to their drinking level. So that's a staggeringly excellent result, however you look at it. It blows out of the water the current best treatments for alcoholism that we have available. And what, you know, obviously if someone was on this treatment plan, what exactly do they feel when they take it? Is it to kind of press their urge to to drink or what what does it do? Well, what we do is it's not just the drug alone. The point about all psychedelic assisted therapies is it's a combination of the drug sessions and the non-drug sessions. So it's an eight-week course of therapy sessions, weekly counselling sessions, and most of them are not with the MDMA. They're just normal face-to-face therapy. And during those sessions, you build up an agenda and an intention for where you want to go with the drug. You then have a drug session followed by two weeks of integration sessions and a second drug session and then two more integration sessions so it's the totality of that whole course that you use to help them explore the roots of their drinking the trauma in their life and particularly their childhoods and help them to overcome those dynamics that are underlying the drinking so it we're using the mdma as a tool to enhance a, an eight-week course of psychotherapy and then can Anyone, I know it's it's still in trial phase, but do you? How do you pre-screen and what are you looking for? So, is this someone who may have 
tried everything else or can this be the first kind of protocol for someone who's looking to kick their alcohol? Well, yeah, so we recruited everyone from our local drug and alcohol. So they were all people with heavy dependent daily drinking habits with physical addiction to alcohol and psychological addiction. And they all underwent a detox to come down off their drinking to zero. And that's really the first port of call for treating alcoholism. And and that in some ways is the easy bit. I'm not downplaying it, but that's the easy bit, getting off getting dry is the easy bit. So they all went through the 10 to to 15 day detox with Librium and then they're all on zero drinking. Then they came into the eight week course. Um, In terms of, you know, screening, it was like like most pharmacology research, you have to screen out certain risk factors like cardiac disease or high suicide risk or addiction to other drugs like cocaine or heroin. And we had to know that their liver function was reasonably good and their cardiac Mm. functioning and this kind of thing. And they have blood tests and ECGs. So I mean, like all research, it's like you need people who are just the right amount of ill, but also just the right amount of well. So there's quite a lot of inclusion and exclusion factors to get the population that you want. But they were all the same inclusion and exclusion factors as we used on our previous study in which we didn't have an MDMA intervention. We just measured outcome. So the two groups are comparable. I mean, the outcome is, or it does sound amazing. I mean, 12% are only going back on to, to alcohol or their previous kind of addiction that they had. When do you think that we could see more of this type of treatment? Well, ours was the world's first. And so it was a pilot study. So it was only eight, it was only 14 patients. So it's only small. It's what you call a proof of concept study. Obviously, a lot more research is needed with larger groups in different labs in different places. Whether our group here in Bristol are going to be doing any more on alcohol, we're not sure. We're moving on to other things at the moment. But certainly we're hoping another team somewhere around the world will pick this up and do a larger study and replicate the results. Uh, what do you think people... Uh, I'd imagine one of, it's a, uh, some of it might be a public perception problem and uh, over the next few years people don't, don't maybe like the idea of psychedelics being helpful or positive so like what would you say to people who might be listening to this kind of going ah come on you can't be using mdma to kind of help people well again you just have to go back to the basic toxicology and pharmacology if 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 you seriously think that two doses of mdma is going to cause you more harm than three bottles of vodka a day then you really need to go back to your pharmacology textbooks and get some basic knowledge there the psychedelic drugs um psilocybin particularly mdma are incredibly low risk substances. That might sound controversial to someone, but just look at the data. MDMA, even in the form of recreational ecstasy use, which is not what we're doing, the actual rates of morbidity and mortality are staggeringly low. And they have been for seven for, for 25 years in this country. And the rates of harm from psychedelics is incredibly low. So yeah, I think you're right. There's a, there's a lot of erroneous misconceptions, which are essentially are a byproduct of the last 50 years of the extreme political folly that is the Misuse of Drugs Act. And And it's poisoned the minds of clever, erudite, intelligent people to think that if a drug is banned and illegal, it therefore is dangerous and has no medical uses. That's just complete folly. There's a a great many drugs that I prescribe on a daily basis as a psychiatrist that are far more toxic than MDMA, yet we tolerate those. So what this does in a way, all psychedelic research, it shines a light on the stupidity of the drug laws as they stand, and it stifles research. So, you know, this is is not, in my eyes, controversial or, or unusual at all. This is just good evidence-based, focused, safe and efficacious human pharmacology research. The real controversy is that governments don't see it that way. 
that's the real controversy, that these drugs that can be safely and efficaciously provided to reduce the distress of patients are banned. That's the news story you want to be following. Well, it's a problem, I feel, that's only getting worse. And I think there was studies done. They were trialling it out for depression. Um, so, I mean, who knows? This could be a Well, yeah, thing. I mean, no, it is positive. And I've been working with psychedelics for 15 years. I've worked with studies with LSD and psilocybin, magic mushrooms, ketamine, DMT, cannabis and MDMA. And I've administered all those drugs and I've received all those drugs, incidentally, as a healthy volunteer on these studies. And things are really moving forward. And we, we are seeing more and more protocols for psychedelic research. This is no longer some crazy fringe thing that just a bunch of weirdos in California do. Every major, every major scientific institution around the world now, Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, Harvard, Bristol, Cardiff, Belfast, all of the NYU, they're, they're all running major psychedelic research programs. It's not a fringe subject. This is cutting-edge psychopharmacology and psychiatry. And I urge people to get involved because this is the future of psychiatry. Uh, just before we let you go, I just, you know, personally interested, you mentioned you've tried uh, DMT before, and I think I came across some Netflix documentary on that before, saying that that's a very uh, enlightening or, or spiritual kind of drug. If you did take a can you remember what your experience of that drug was like? Well, DMT is not wholly dissimilar from LSD or psilocybin, and they're all in the same class as these classic psychedelics, all of which are, have um, this capacity to induce this subjective mystical or spiritual experience. And indeed, these, these compounds have been used for thousands of years in non-Western and indigenous practices as sacramental tools to assist spiritual experiences. So they're all very well known to, to produce these effects. And indeed, some people would claim that the psychological experience of spirituality is based on an endogenous chemical within our brains, mm. like DMT. So when, we, when we're having a non-drug religious or spiritual experience, what's actually happening in our brain is a physiological psychedelic experience. And when we take these drugs externally, that's all we're doing. So, yeah, they, they do have this capacity to ask these very existential questions of life, death, birth, who am I, what am I, what are the labels I hang around myself, how do I define myself? Now, from a clinical point of view, these are really interesting because if you're working with traumatized people whose personal narratives and labels are very negative, I am useless, I am a failure, I am worthless, a drug that allows you to essentially reboot or rebrand these rigid narratives and allow you to rebuild how you see yourself in the world is an incredibly important clinical tool. It does incredibly interesting. I think there's only going to be more research of the type that you're doing and more interesting results from the type of research you're doing. But listen, um, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing the, the research with you. I know your website is at drsessa.com, but is there anywhere else you'd, you'd recommend for people who might be more interested in the research you're carrying out? So most of the work by with MDMA is being carried out by a group called MAP, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. They're maps.org. And most most of the work with psilocybin or magic mushrooms is being carried out by a group called Compass Pathways. So people can look there and they can sign up to become uh, um, subjects in research studies if they're interested. So those those are good ports of call. Dr. Ben Sessa, thank you very much for giving up your time this evening. We will chat to you again soon. Excellent. Good luck. Thanks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.